Lots of people flowing past the U.S. southern border really are refugees who deserve protection. Now the state and health and human services departments have jointly started up a way to let regular citizens help refugees resettle in the United States. It's called Welcome Corps. For how it works, we turn to the senior advisor for the Bureau of Population, Refugees and Migration at State, Rosanna Kim. Ms. Kim, good to have you with us. Thanks for having me, Tom. It's great to be here. So tell us about Welcome Corps. Who is this aimed at? And then we'll get into how it actually works as a program. But who are you trying to draw in to the core? As you may know, the Welcome Corps, when we announced it, we announced it as the boldest innovation in refugee resettlement in four decades. You may know that in the traditional system, the State Department has traditionally partnered with nonprofit resettlement agencies to provide initial resettlement assistance and support to newly arriving refugees. Through the Welcome Corps, really leaning on American communities, everyday Americans to step up and take on a leading role in providing that initial resettlement assistance and support to newly arriving refugees. This program is designed to serve refugees who are admitted through the U.S. Refugee Admissions Program, or U.S. RAP, as we refer to it. And that program goes back some years, doesn't it? That's right. So we formalized the U.S. Refugee Admissions Program in 1980, and that's essentially setting up the system we know it today. The system hasn't changed much since then. So as I said, traditionally, we have got a very strong partnership with our resettlement agencies. Now we're really creating new opportunities for Americans to get directly involved. And because the people that need the help, the refugees, came through that program, the older program, that way that those willing to help can be assured they really are refugees deserving of this protection and not criminal elements or something trying to get into the United States. That's right. So all refugees who are processed through the U.S. Refugee Admissions Program, they're some of the most highly vetted immigrant populations to the United States. So they must undergo a number of different checks, including verification of their refugee status by USCIS, uh, security vetting by a number of U.S. intelligence agencies, as well as a medical check. So these are folks who we have determined to be a refugee in need of protection, in need of resettlement, and we can safely resettle here in the United States. And give us a sense of the numbers right now of people coming in that are refugees under the uh, U.S. RAP program. Well, the president has set a very ambitious goal for us. He hopes that we can resettle 125,000 refugees this fiscal year. We're working very hard to meet that target. Now, when the president said it, he knew that we wouldn't be able to meet it right away. As I think you may know, in previous years, the program faced a lot of challenges. The domestic infrastructure was severely underfunded. Uh, The target had been reduced. And so we're working very hard to build back up. And this initiative, the Welcome Corps, is part of that effort. We're trying to expand our domestic resettlement capacity. And we believe that by tapping into the energy, the enthusiasm, the interest of everyday Americans become private sponsors, we can grow our capacity alongside the critical work that our resettlement agency partners will continue to do. And the capacity to resettle refugees, what does it consist of? Like apartment buildings and help with getting jobs and this kind of thing? I mean, someone lands here and they really often don't have much, correct? That's right. So through the Welcome Corps, we're asking private sponsors to take on a similar amount of responsibility that our resettlement agencies partners do in the traditional program. So that means they're going to be providing support to arriving refugees for the first 90 days of their arrival. They're going to provide many of the same types of initial supports and services. We're talking about picking folks up from the airport, finding them affordable housing, connecting them to services, enrolling kids in school, connecting adults to language learning and employment opportunities, and really putting them on a path to integration. This is just the beginning of the journey for many arriving refugees, but we believe Americans can play a really critical role and, and do what the, what Americans do best, you know, be guides, 
friends and neighbors to folks arriving here, rebuilding here in the United States. And the traditional nonprofits that you mentioned earlier, what types of organizations are those? Are like churches or social service agencies? Or, I mean, who has traditionally done this? What you said is exactly right. So currently we partner with 10 uh, nonprofit organizations that serve as resettlement agencies. Many of them are faith-based. Uh, many of them are, are experienced social service providers. So many organizations you may be familiar with, for example, the International Rescue Committee, Faith Side, we've got uh, Lutheran Immigration and Refugee Services, Church World Service. So a dedicated sort of network of partners that do this work well. And actually, I should say, you know, through the Welcome Corps, we're partnering with a new kind of consortium of, of actors. But actually, that consortium includes two of our current resettlement agency partners. And so the team that is behind the Welcome Corps is a team of, of experts right, with dedicated experience in, in refugee resettlement. We're speaking with Rosanna Kim. She's senior advisor for the Bureau of Population, Refugees and Migration at the State Department. And let's talk about the Welcome Corps, which will seek to get individuals. You're partnering with HHS. What are the terms of that partnership? What does HHS bring to it? we've been working really closely with our colleagues at HHS, and in particular in the Office of Refugee Resettlement, or ORR. The Welcome Corps, as I said, we designed it to mirror the traditional resettlement program the State Department is involved in, and that's initial sort of resettlement, first 90 days. But as we know, that's just the beginning of the journey for many resettled refugees. Our partners at ORR play a critical role in thinking through what happens during and after those 90 days. And how do we continue to provide services that put refugees on a path to successful integration? And so since the Welcome Corps, the formal level of responsibility we're asking private sponsors to cover is just that first 90 days. We're thinking really hard about how do we help sponsors prepare for what comes after those 90 days? Of course, we expect that sponsors will continue to play a critical role as friends and as neighbors. But in terms of that formal kind of responsibility, what happens afterwards and how we make sure that sponsored refugees get connections to those longer-term services that are funded by our ORR partners, that's really where the partnership and collaboration has been, just thinking through that kind of entire uh, journey and how we make sure that sponsored refugees continue to access those services. And for individuals that want to participate and become sponsors and helpers of refugees, I imagine those people have to be vetted pretty carefully too, don't they? That's right, of course. As I said, refugees themselves are some of the most highly vetted immigrant populations to the United States. But we owe it to them by the same token to make sure that they are being supported by individuals who are capable and who we've certified as appropriate to participate in this program. So all private sponsors, they will need to go through an application process that our partners are managing as part of the Welcome Corps. That application process is now live, welcomecorps.org. And that includes passing a background check, showing proof of financial means. All sponsors will have to raise a certain amount of private funds to show right, their kind of commitment to this program. And they'll, need, they'll need to submit an application that includes what we're calling a welcome plan. And that's a, a way to make sure that we're asking sponsors to explain to us, right, how are they going to provide all those equivalent services I mentioned that resettlement agencies have to provide? You know, what's the plan for finding housing, enrolling kids in school? And so that whole application sort of package, the checks, the welcome plan itself is vetted by our partners to certify and approve groups to participate. Yeah, it sounds a little bit more complicated than it might seem at first glance, because, for example, finding housing that the refugee can afford, if you have a you know wealthy, well-heeled, but well-meaning type of sponsor, they may not even know where to begin to look for that kind of thing. Yeah, that's right. And so as part of the Welcome Corps, our partners are also thinking through how we provide training to sponsors to educate them, to help them think through the process, other kinds of resources to help them fill out the application. But really, 
all Americans participating in the Welcome Corps are going to receive support at every step of the way, right, from experts behind this program will help them think through, right, what it means to resettle refugees. It's not an insignificant responsibility, but it's one that we believe and I've already seen, right, Americans step up in really extraordinary ways to take on. So folks going through this process will receive that kind of support from experts to really guide them along the way. And can people band together in small groups, say they used to have like the Adopt-A-Road program in neighborhoods? Could you have an Adopt-A-Refugee with some of your friends and neighbors? That's exactly the model that we've designed for Welcome Corps. And it's a model that is grounded really in best practice for actually how other countries have designed very similar programs. So through the Welcome Corps, uh, individuals who are participating will have to form what we're calling a private sponsored group. That's a group of at least five or more individuals. We're talking American citizens or permanent residents, adults over the age of 18, all residing in or near the community where they expect to help resettle a refugee. And really that group model is really important. This isn't just about providing that kind of financial support or their services. It's really about Americans coming together, right, as communities to offer the support. And we know, right, that this work is done best when it's done in a group. So that's exactly right. And will these sponsors have direct contact with refugees? For example, suppose they wanted to have them in a home for dinner, that type of thing. Is that possible? Yes. And I mean, this is very much what we expect to happen in the program. And in many ways, I think it's one of the best aspects of the program, right? Groups are going to be there on the front lines, welcoming the family that they're going to support. And I think they're going to build out that really important social connection, right? Refugees are not only leaving behind their homes and their possessions, but they're leaving behind their own friends, their own social networks. And so when they arrive in the United States, a really key part of their integration is is making sure that they can feel a part of their new communities. And I think sponsors, that kind of social connection you kind of mentioned, inviting folks to meals and sharing cultural perspectives and connections, it's going to be a really powerful part of what we hope will make this program successful. And sometimes refugees are forced out of a nation, you know, through threats of violence or political reprisal or jailing, but they might have been people with some means in their own countries. Is there also a process to help them extract the wealth they did have left behind, say, in banks in their home countries, such that they can help themselves get established here? I can't speak to the specifics of that process. But what I will say is when we think about refugee resettlement, it's a tool, really, that's only available to less than 1% of refugees around the world. And we're talking about folks, really, who it's determined that there is no other durable solution for them, right? They can't uh, remain and integrate in the country where they may have fled to, they can't return to their home country. And so it's part of the U.S. Refugee Admissions Program, which the Welcome Corps right, is, is part of and is serving. When refugees are screened um, and determined to be in need of resettlement, they're really determined to be you know, many of the world's most vulnerable and ones where truly the only durable solution available to them is uh, resettling in a third country, and in our case, resettling to the United States. I guess it's better here than in some of the horrible refugee camps that have sprouted up all over the world where people seem caught in an endless limbo. That's right. As I said, I mean, folks who are coming here being resettled through the U.S. Refugee Admissions Program, they're ones where we determine they're in need of that durable solution, and that durable solution is third country resettlement. And by coming here to the United States, giving them an opportunity to kind of rebuild their lives here in search of safety and protection, and the Welcome Corps being kind of now a new aspect, right, that can help really put them on solid ground and, again, put them on that path to integration. And a final question, how are you getting the word out to communities and people that might want to avail of themselves of the core, and have you had much take up so far? It's a great question, and actually, one of the things we're doing is talking to, to folks like you. So, thank you. We are working very hard to get the word out. We announced the program on January 19th 
And the response has been really extraordinary. I think we've had thousands of people sign up for the information sessions and application sessions that are available on the website, really delighted and, and moved by the interests of the American people, which we always sort of suspected what would happen, but it's been great to see it in, in real time. Anyone who wants to learn more can go to the website. Again, that's welcomecorps.org. And we're working really hard, right, with our, our partners to really get the word out to Americans all over the country. Really what's gonna make this program successful, right, is everyday Americans where they are, you know, finding out and getting involved. So we're really eager and excited and you'll see more from us in the coming weeks and months as we continue to roll the program out. Well, as a people, we're better than our politicians, that's for sure. Rosanna Kim is Senior Advisor for the Bureau of Population, Refugees and Migration at the State Department. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks, Tom. And we'll post this interview along with a link to more about the program at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leadership today, especially within the federal workforce, is being tested more than ever before. Sean Ferguson, Senior Vice President of Government Relations and Chief of Staff to the Office of the Chairman at the Special Olympics, joins host Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, to discuss the importance of leadership, inclusion, and community building. To learn more about how you can get involved with the Special Olympics in your community, Visit specialolympics.org slash get dash involved. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned working with that community? Oh, uh, yeah, almost, uh, Shane, it's almost immeasurable. The things I've learned since I've been with Special Olympics. I um, One of the things that drew me to Special Olympics uh, when I made the move over from, from the NFL uh, was that my mother, my grandmother, my aunt all took care of of people with intellectual disabilities and 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 physical disabilities as well. So all of my life, I was uh, interacting and around um, usually usually young people, but also adults with disabilities. And so I I knew that I knew that work a bit. You know, they they basically were in direct care, and and I will say, and on a, obviously we'll say about my my family, my mother, my aunt, my grandmother, they're saints. Uh, but uh, the the men and women that do take care of people with uh, profound disabilities are are really um, you know we we can't do enough to salute them. Um, they are they're really heroes. And um, so I was I was drawn when I, I and I just saw that, you know, Special Olympics was looking for someone. And I thought, well, you know, take a look at it and see, see you know, throw, uh, send in my information. And lo and behold, I, I, I get hired and um, I learn uh, every day almost something from especially from our athletes. Uh, we're blessed to have a number of athletes that work here in our office in Washington, D.C., and, you know, uh, Terrell, who, who works in, in our mailroom and comes by with packages and deliveries, uh, if you're having a day that's, you know, getting away from you and you, you <laughs> coffee hasn't kicked in, but Terrell comes by, always happy, always enthused, uh, has, a, has a good story, like, it can just turn a day around for you. And, and, and you think of, I, I, you know, often when he'll walk away, I'll be like, you know, whatever was bothering me or whatever is you know, stressing me out and come on, you know, like, look at, look at Terrell, like he, he, he faces everything with optimism. And, and, and I've seen that also in our going to competitions in throughout the United States and globally, you see people who have had everything stacked against them. You know, their parents, when they were born, were often told this is a tragedy and you should, you should 
you know, send your, this child away. Don't, don't, you know, and, and kind of forget about them, Get, turn them over to the stage or, or wherever. And, and, you know, that, you know, just kind of wash, wash your hands of it. Um, and, and, and in, in these cases, the parents didn't do that, thankfully. Um, and, but they still faced enormous challenges, you know, and, but you see them out competing on the basketball courts or the football fields or swimming and, uh, and, and, you know, besting their times from, from their last competition. And they're so committed and just keep fighting through all the obstacles that they've had in front of them that are not just on the sports field, but also in growing up and finding education and finding groups to be part of and trying to find jobs. And, and, and I've seen so much perseverance and grit uh, from the athletes of Special Olympics that, uh, I, I, Tim Triver, my boss, the chairman, uh, says all the time, and I couldn't agree with him more. Uh, we get more than we give, uh, working with Special Olympics. It, you know, we, and thank you for your very kind words about the work I do and we do, but, but we're the lucky ones. We, those of us that work here are the lucky ones because I, I said to someone the other day, you know, the things that I've been able to see and experience with athletes, you just don't get to do that anywhere. That, that, you know, it's a, and it's so unique and it's so, uh, joyful. And, and uh, I mean, we work hard and, you know, we, we're up against, you know, the things that nonprofits are up against and, you know, the, you know, the issues of the day. But, uh, man, you see it, it and, and, and the inclusion and the, at Special Olympics, no one's excluded. You know, no, right. no one's excluded. Everyone yeah. is equal at Special Olympics. It, and, you know, in a country that's quite divided on so many lines, politically and uh, socially, uh, economically, race and uh, sexual orientation and whatnot. But you go to Special Olympics and everyone's involved. Everyone's welcome. Everyone's equal. And I've learned that it's a model for our country and for our world. Uh, I, I just think that that if if people were involved in Special Olympics in experience the power of special olympics for themselves i i I can't imagine that one help our country and help our world um to experience that true inclusion and acceptance of difference how how do we get how can listeners get involved in special olympics ways to get involved uh, tons of ways so uh volunteers obviously coaches officials uh, and, and the thing that, that, that uh, Tim Shriver has done uh, and really pushed in the years that he's been chairman is the unified sports model that, that I mentioned earlier, um, where people and, and it doesn't have to be. Uh, it's not just school age. It's it's, uh, you know, we say nine to ninety nine or uh, year old uh, folks uh, that play on teams, uh, bowl together, golf together, play soccer, basketball together. Uh, people with and without intellectual disabilities competing on teams together. Um, and that is, I, I think, when you when you go back to the founding uh, of our organization, what Mrs. Tri- Mrs. Shriver was trying to do uh, was to, to uh, create inclusion opportunities for people with intellectual disabilities. And you see it at these unified sports events where people with and without are playing together. We still have traditional uh, teams where it's all people with intellectual disabilities competing with other uh, teams, all intellectual disabilities. But this model of inclusive sports and inclusive leadership programs and whatnot, I think is truly revolutionizing and changing the way people see uh, others with intellectual disabilities. That's just like, I mean, that's what we 
that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring people together and bridge difference and, and, and celebrate differences and that our athletes, man, are some of the grittiest people that you will meet. And, and, uh, and there's a lot to learn from our athletes and playing sports with them and interacting is, is how you'll learn it. Check us out, uh, you know, uh, specialympics.org on, on our website, uh, that will link you to your local program. You can follow through the, the clicks of how to get involved and where, what's closest to you. You'll enjoy it. I can promise you that. Well, thank you very much, Sean. And, and to everybody listening, I'm Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, and we'll, uh, Talk to you next time on the Lessons in Leadership podcast.